Today I messed up by banging my first cousin. This actually happened last weekend, but I'm finally getting around to processing it all, and I guess I'm trying to deal with it. I went out for drinks with my girlfriend and met up with my younger cousin at the bar. We'd all hung out before and had a great time. My cousin invited a couple of her friends to the bar too, and we did some bar hopping. I got sloshed pretty unintentionally. The last bar, I swear, was not putting any mixers. They were just pouring straight spirits. So anyway, we're about to leave and my cousin's friends are trying to get her home because she is sloshed too. Well, my girlfriend was our designated driver, so we offered to let her stay in our spare room. Everyone was cool with that because who's safer than family, right? wrong. We get home and I had to piece together some of this later because I blacked out for most of it. Apparently initially everything was cool. My cousin went to the spare bedroom and my girlfriend got her situated. The problem started a little later when I, in my infinite wisdom, decided to walk straight out of my bedroom with my girlfriend in it and into my cousin's room. I don't particularly remember much except for two details which I guess are not important to the story. Well, okay, so one might be. I remember my cousin giving me a very enthusiastic act on third base, which as you can imagine makes a lot of noise. Apparently my girlfriend came out of the room wondering where I was because I just disappeared. She didn't barge into the room or anything, but she heard the noises, which is pretty obvious. So at that point, she left. Like me. She left me. And I don't blame her. Anyways, that means I wake up in the morning, half having blacked out, oblivious that my girlfriend was gone already, but I'm naked next to my cousin. There's obviously no hiding this, but I'm still half sloshed. So I went to try and sneak back into my room, which I found empty. So yeah, I haven't heard from my girlfriend all week and I'm sure we're done. And I don't blame her. All I can hope for now is that this doesn't get out to my family because I would probably implode. No, my cousin and I are not going to start hooking up regularly. It's actually super awkward and she has hardly said a word to me either. Again, I don't blame her. So, am I the jerk? So, I don't think that cheating on your girlfriend with your cousin is something you can ever recover from. And I don't even know where you would begin to rebuild that relationship with your cousin after this. So I don't know what you would do in either of those relationships other than try and talk to them. But I'm pretty sure the girlfriend is probably never going to talk to him again. Maybe the cousin will. The cousin seems like she's not cutting him out completely. But if he cares about that familial aspect of that relationship, you should probably talk to her first. But let me know what you guys would do if you were in this situation and jerk or not a jerk. Am I the jerk for saying my sister needs to stop bringing up her miscarriage for attention? My sister is 30 years old and I am 22 years old. 10 years ago, my sister had a miscarriage. Obviously, it was devastating for her and the whole family and it took her a couple of years to fully heal from it. We're still not 100% sure why it happened, but it was a one-off and she since had three very healthy, beautiful children including a set of twins. So, here's the thing. My sister and I don't really get on. She resented me as a kid because she had to share mom's attention and because she thought mom left her dad to be with mine. She never really grew out of that resentment and she was pretty much my biggest bully throughout childhood and my teenage years. One thing she absolutely cannot stand is when mom and I do things without her or when mom pays more attention to me than to her. When this happens, she calls my mom and says she's feeling really upset about the miscarriage and without fail, mom goes running. This includes a trip to Paris I took 
took mom on for her birthday earlier this year, which she cut short because sister said she needed her. This also includes when I had a manic episode so bad I was hospitalized and my sister managed to need mom every time she was planning to visit me and so she never did. Note, these times when mom is spending more time with me than her are the only times my sister brings up what happened and certainly the only times she gets so upset about it. Recently, I was sick. I didn't leave the bathroom for days. Can only keep water down sick. Didn't manage to get the doctor, but I think it was norovirus. It lasted about a week and mom was popping in daily on our way home from work to check on me and stuff. On the last day of being seriously unwell when I felt I could eat again, mom offered to make me some soup while she was there, which I accepted. She was halfway through making it when sister called saying she was upset about the miscarriage and told me I'd have to finish it myself because she had to go. I didn't say anything to mom and I finished making the soup, but I sent my sister a text saying she really needs to stop bringing it up for attention because she can't bear me getting some instead. I guess she told mom and her dad because I'm hearing from all sides what a horrible, insensitive, selfish jerk I am and how dare I say that to her. I understand she may still be traumatized. I just think it's getting really weird how that trauma solely manifests whenever I'm getting attention and she isn't. Am I the jerk? I'm guessing that the older sister here is probably telling the mom something that's more serious than the OP realizes here. Like maybe she's saying things that are much more extreme than it seems like she is by just saying I'm having a hard time dealing with the miscarriage and so that's the reason why the mom is rushing off. I mean being affected by something like that can last the rest of your life but it seems like the OP is trying to imply that enough time has passed and she has enough kids that it shouldn't be a big deal to her but we only really know this from her perspective. The timing seems to be the main issue that it strategically happens to be exactly whenever she's getting attention from the mom. There actually seem to be a lot of people that have had experience with this and one of the top comments said that they've seen this type of behavior a lot. They say we had a very late miscarriage at 28 weeks and we never bring it up not even in the two years afterwards when we have no children. My good buddy is going through a divorce right now where in early miscarriage is being used as a reason against him because he didn't give his wife enough attention even though they got pregnant immediately after and now have two healthy children. It's definitely being used as a manipulative tool. Okay so when I first saw this I didn't actually think that's what he was saying. I thought he was saying that the behavior of being affected by miscarriage for a long time can be common, but he's saying that using it for something like this is common. When it comes to the timing, the younger sister probably should have brought that up to the older sister in person, especially if she's implying that what she's going through isn't real or it's being used against her for taking away quality time from her mom, but they should probably just talk about it because whether it's true or not, some people do take a long time to process things that are that serious and other people don't take as much time. So talking about it seems like really the only place to start here, but let me know what you guys think. Jerk or not a jerk and what would you do if you were in this situation? Am I the jerk for saying my daughter inherits my house no matter what? I'm a single mom and my 50s with one daughter. I got very lucky in that I bought a home in the Bay Area nearly 30 years ago for around $230,000 before the tech boom and now the house is worth about $1 million. I have a 23-year-old daughter, Camilla, who grew up in that house and she moved out last year to go live with her boyfriend. I've never explicitly told my daughter the house will be yours, nor has she asked anything about it, but just sort of common sense. That's my daughter. Who else would I give it to? One important note, there are two homes in my neighborhood that are owned by lower middle class people, me and a neighbor who's been there as long as I have. 
Otherwise, our neighbors are engineers and software developers. The Bay Area is simply unaffordable if you are not in tech. My daughter is a hairstylist. My fiance, Steven, and I have been together for two years. He has two young children, both in elementary school. He has joined custody of them, and I adore both of them, and I'm excited to help raise them. Steven and I don't have a ton in the bank, so a prenup seems silly if it weren't for the house. I told him I'm ready to combine finances and plan long-term with him, but I wanted a prenup agreement just for the house. It's non-negotiable for me that my daughter inherits the house. He was not happy with this. He said that $1 million split three ways is enough for all three kids to get a head start in life. I disagree. I paid 80% of the mortgage by myself and Camilla is my only child. She can have her dream life working as a hairstylist living in the Bay Area with this house, but will be unhappy to have to move out to a less desirable area if it's split. I spoke to Camilla about this and she agrees that she should get the house and said she always planned on inheriting it, just like I always planned on giving it to her. So am I the jerk for saying that my daughter inherits my house that is worth over $1 million no matter what? I mean, in this case, she already said it's non-negotiable. So even if he's unhappy with it, it's something that she's not willing to do. And like many people have pointed out, they've only been together for two years. She points out that she paid 80% of the mortgage herself. And I'm assuming that's because either Steven has paid in the last two years or maybe somebody else was living there before, like her ex-husband or her baby's daddy. But either way, she has paid the majority of this $230,000 from 30 years ago. Since this takes place in California, one California law student said that this is definitely a lawyer territory. I'm not even sure you can disinherit a spouse like that in California. It's a communal property state, so even though the house itself is separate property, he'd be entitled to half of the appreciation value since the wedding date in the event of a divorce. And it doesn't sound like OP would be liquid enough to pay him if that marriage dissolves, since obviously she said that they don't have very much money in the bank. And then in the edit, they say without a will, half of her separate property would go to him and half to her daughter. Her kids are not a part of the equation. She can specify in a will that all her separate property goes to her daughter. What I'm really not sure of is whether in that event, the daughter would end up owing him half of the appreciation value after they got married. A lot of opinions were focused around the fact that they think it's ridiculous that somebody that was dating her for only two years would be asking for 66% of her over $1 million house. But somebody in the opposite end of things said that there are two separate topics here in my mind, having the house on a prenup and willing the house to the daughter. If they get divorced in five years, she absolutely needs to keep the house 100% uncontested. If they live together in the house, married for 40 years at some point, I can understand where this dude wants some stake slash equity to pass on to his biological kids. Other scenarios are bad too. What if OP dies in five to 10 years? The daughter can just move in and force this guy out and his kids. I totally agree with OP that she wants to protect this valuable asset, but I empathize with the guy also. And people are acting shocked that he has the nerve to mention the house after they have been together for only two years. They are talking about combining their assets. When else would he get a chance to speak his mind on the topic? You can disagree that he deserves a stake in the house, but people are acting like he's some sort of conniving snake for having a discussion about a valuable asset while discussing their assets. So there are, of course, a lot more complex legal interpretations of this whole thing, but just on the big picture, do you think she is the jerk or not for saying that the daughter will inherit her house no matter what? 
Am I the jerk for taking a three-hour nap every afternoon and expecting my husband to look after the kid and only wake me up for emergencies? My husband is a 38-year-old man and I'm a 34-year-old woman. We've been married for five years. We have a four-year-old daughter and a three-month-old son. Our son has a health condition and needs to be fed every 40 to 80 minutes. I work in IT and I can easily work from home and generally make my own schedule. My husband works from 6 a.m. until 3 p.m. I get up every Every hour at night to feed our son so my husband can sleep. I drop off our daughter at kindergarten in the morning and then work and look after our son. I obviously don't get much sleep during the night so I have started to sleep from 3.30 to 7 p.m. and I made it clear that I'm not to be woken up unless it's an actual emergency. My husband looks after the kids and cooks tea while I'm asleep and at 7 we all eat. After that we take turns reading stories to our daughter as a bedtime ritual. She's usually down for the night at 8 p.m. Then my husband and I have us time from 8 to roughly 9.30 p.m., which is when he goes to sleep. After that, it's only me looking after our son so my husband can sleep through the night. I usually do some more work and go to sleep at around midnight, but obviously very interrupted sleep since I have to get up every hour. My husband has started complaining recently. He doesn't think I should sleep in the afternoon because during that time, childcare is completely on him. He wants some time to relax when he gets home. But the thing is, I need a few hours of uninterrupted sleep, otherwise I'll go crazy. Our son will most likely outgrow his condition and should be able to live like a normal toddler by the time he is 18 months old. I can't possibly not sleep for another year and three months though. My husband isn't happy. I should clarify that I don't actually sleep at night due to the feeding pattern. My nap is the only sleep I get. My husband doesn't want a nanny and he also doesn't want to be a stay-at-home dad. So am I the jerk? So the math here doesn't really seem like it makes sense. The guy is able to sleep all night and then works from 3.30 to 7 and she doesn't really get a sleep at all. There were some breakdowns of other comments she left in other threads as well as just trying to do the math on it. So it pretty much works out to this. She works 20.5 hours a day. He works 12.5 hours a day because you're including the childcare watch time. She sleeps 3.5 hours a day. He sleeps 7.5 hours a day. In one of the comments she actually said that his mother doesn't like me very much because I choose to keep working after we had our daughter. But when I make $150,000 a year and he makes $50,000 a year, I can't really be a stay-at-home mom. My husband doesn't like my family, so I can't really have them help out. And then she also says about the husband that he doesn't work a hard eight-hour shift. He's a personal trainer, but spends a lot of his time on his shift watching Netflix. She then says, I have a full-time job, not an easy one. I have a whole department I'm responsible for and I care for the kid. So this seems pretty cut and dry. She's doing a lot of work and watching the kid and he's not. She should probably suggest switching hours. Hey, you try feeding him every hour and I'll do this if you don't like the arrangement we have now. Probably the part that is the most surprising is where she says in response to another comment that I suggested we get a special needs nanny for the mornings, but my husband doesn't trust strangers in the house. I also offered to pay him $50,000 a year if he would quit his job to become a stay-at-home dad, but he didn't want to be paid by his wife and wanted to keep a real job to feel manly. I mean, even from the way she's writing this, it sounds like she's a little bit resentful of him making this decision, but it makes sense because she has a lot of solutions and he keeps turning them down. And then in response to that, of course, there's a ton of guys that are saying, man, I wish I could be a stay-at-home dad. A bunch of people saying that they wish they had that option. But in this case, do you think that she is the jerk or not? And what would you do?